0: hey everybody welcome to episode 11 of the jonah saller show i'm your host jonah saller for those of you who don't know me i'm an entrepreneur i'm the owner of frontline strength and this podcast is all about spiritual strength and mental strength and both of them are very very closely related so a lot of it is talking about the spiritual strength that flows into the mental strength so uh yeah let's get started um today's episode i want to talk about faith And I want to contrast faith and works because I think a lot of Christians, this is one of the the more complicated topics that is talked about, is this idea of the dichotomy between faith and works and the balance between faith and works. And where do works come in? Where does faith come in? Do I have to have faith and works? Do I have to have works and faith? Do I have to have faith with no works or works with no faith? Like, How does it work, right? And I think that... uh, This is something we got to dive into because the Bible has a lot of different texts that talk about faith and talk about it in relation to works, and sometimes it can almost be confusing and almost seem contradictory. So I basically just want to talk about faith, why our salvation is founded on faith, why faith is so important, and the place that works has in our faith, right? So let's get started starting in Galatians 2 I just want to read a couple passages starting in Galatians 2 but we're also going to do Ephesians 2 and Romans 3 and those will be the first three passages that really bring out this element of faith being completely separate from works and being completely our our completeness in Christ and our salvation being completely separate from works and I want to contrast that with another couple of passages that maybe we'll confuse some people so this is basically a podcast episode where i'm trying to clarify the place of faith and works in the christian life so starting in galatians 2 says yet we know that a person is justified Sorry. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have also believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So right away, that passage makes it very clear that there's this disconnect in a Christian believer between works of the law and faith. In fact, you cannot be justified by works in the law, by faith alone. So works of the law have no place in a Christian's life. It has no place in our righteousness. It has no place in our standing with God. And so because of that, if we try to pair faith with works of the law, we're going to be really fighting an uphill battle. The Hebrews describes the law as being a shadow of what's to come. So analogy that I've given is, have you ever been on a date, say with your wife, or maybe you're hanging out with some friends. Imagine if you're if you're in those situations, you start paying a lot of attention to the person's shadow. You start talking to the shadow, you you buy some coffee on your date and you give the coffee to the shadow. That makes absolutely no sense because you've got the real thing with you. Like, why would you pay attention to a mere shadow? When you literally have the real thing with you. And it's no different, right? When we pay attention to the law and we try to obey the law and we try to justify ourselves by our obedience to the law, what we're doing is we're looking away from Christ, the real thing that we've got, and we're looking at a shadow of what was to come which is jesus christ who is fulfilling the law and who had fulfilled the law right so when we receive christ we receive the fulfillment of the law within us and we can't do that unless we have faith in christ alone and not by works of the law like galatians 2 says now moving on in ephesians 2 it says for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is a gift of god not a result of works so that no one may boast so again ephesians 2 makes it very clear you're saved by grace through faith and it's not because of you it's not the result of works because nobody should be boasting that they somehow contributed to this right so again just further clarifies what Galatians 2 is talking about. In Romans 3, 28, it says, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So there's three passages. There's more passages that kind of contrast this, but those are three that I found that are very, very clear that... It's either works of the law and you're not justified or faith and you are justified. You can't mix both. You can't mix law and grace. You can't mix law and uh, faith because it does not take faith to obey a law, right? I've never had to have faith in obeying the speed limit. I've never had to have faith not to murder or not to steal, Those are just inherent things that are rules and regulations, and those things can't save you. Hebrews, again, talks about this. And I really challenge anybody who's having this struggle with this idea of the law's place in a Christian's life and a work's place in the Christian's life, go through Hebrews, because that book is an amazing, amazing book that basically contrasts the Old Covenant with the New Covenant, And really the disconnect that there has to be in a Christian from the old way of doing things to really truly understand and see that everything that the old represented Christ has fulfilled so Paul in in Romans at one point says that we are we are not to discard the law we're to uphold it and a lot of people get confused by that because Paul talks a lot about how you know apart from the law sin lies dead the law is a curse and then he says, uphold the law. So what does he mean? Well, what he's meaning is the idea that under the law, right, if we try to hold ourselves accountable to the law, that is one of the most arrogant, disrespectful things that you could possibly do because it's a standard that none of us will be able to complete perfectly. James says, if you keep all of the law but fail in one area, you are held accountable to the, the entire extent of the law. So, God's not playing around. You can keep one law and fail in 99%, or you could keep 99% and fail in one area, and you're still just as far from God. As anybody else right it does not matter if you keep everything and only fail in one area so basically the law is very serious it's 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 holy it's righteous it's perfect it is good I'm not coming here preaching that the law has no place and the law is bad and the law is gone Jesus said not a part of the law is going to go not an iota not anything until heaven and earth are are basically gone right so the idea that the law has no place in a believers life is not true. It does have a place in a believer's life, but we have to look at it from the standpoint of how can I most respect God's law? It is good. It is perfect. How can I most respect this and uphold it like Paul said? And the answer is this, turn your back on it. Turn your eyes towards Jesus Christ. Because if you are looking to the law and looking towards your ability to obey the law, you are you are playing with fire, my friend the Bible says that there is no one good not one and that right there makes it impossible for you to keep the law Jesus himself on the Sermon of the Mount says therefore be perfect as my Heavenly Father is perfect none of us can do that and he's making a very distinct point that we cannot be perfect we cannot do it in our own strength and it's it's a it's a it's a contrast between are you going to follow the law and hold yourself accountable to the law or are you going to accept that the law is perfect and you are not and receive the grace of god that i have given you through faith it's one or the other so these three passages are highlighting that that there has to be a disconnect from us thinking that somehow we're honoring god by obeying the law no the most honoring thing you can do to god's law is admit that you cannot follow it perfectly and turn towards jesus christ who fulfilled the law perfectly Now, going back to faith, right? We see that it's through faith in Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ, and through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. What's really, really interesting about this thing called faith is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, Hebrews 11, goes back to the Old Testament days where all of these people, uh, with the exception of, you know, Abraham and stuff before Moses, because Moses wrote the law, right? Before, well, God wrote the law through Moses, but before this, right? This chapter really displays that even back then, it was about faith. Even back then, it was about faith. It's always been about faith. It has never been about works, right? So I'm going to read the entirety of chapter 11, and I think that it's absolutely incredible, and I really want you to pay attention uh, to, to what it's saying. So listen very closely, starting in verse 1 of chapter 11 of Hebrews. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Right there, grasp that, because that's literally the Bible's definition of faith, and that's really important. So picking up again in verse 2. For by it the people of old received their commendation Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. I love that. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. So again, people who are trying to follow the law and thinking that's somehow going to win favor with God, or that that somehow changes their standing, it's impossible to please him unless you have faith, right? And you can't have faith in the law. That's impossible. So starting in verse 6, and without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah, being warned that by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past age, since she had considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars in heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth for people who speak, thus make it clear that they are speaking a homeland, that they are seeking a homeland. Sorry. In verse 15, if they had been thinking that the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Picking up again in verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, which, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, and David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered, mocked, and flogged, and even chains and imprisonment. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. 37 they were stoned they were sawn in two they were killed with the sword they went about in skins of sheep and goats destitute afflicted mistreated of whom the world was not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth now i'm going to pause there because this next verse is just absolutely marvelous so we look at the lives of all these different people and see their faith and we go, wow, that's amazing. And I, I might ask you the question, how many of you would love to be like Moses? How many of you would love to be like Noah? How many of you would love to be like any of the names mentioned with their level of faith that they had? Now a lot of us might go, oh man, if only I could, that would be amazing. But listen to what thirty-nine, verse 39 says. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Did you hear that? Though they were commended in their faith, though their faith was great, they did not receive what was promised. And guess what? We have. God provided something better for us. A more personal relationship with us. A relationship where we don't have to call upon the Holy Spirit to come down. We don't have to beg God not to turn his face from us. A relationship where we have the Holy Spirit of the living God inside of us at all times. Again, faith has always been the answer. It's always been about faith. It's never been about works. But the truth of the matter is we have it way better than any of the Old Testament believers did. And we would be amiss to to not see that, to not realize that. So again, let me read that again, because that is just so profound. And all these, though commended in their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us. Wow, what an amazing truth. I love this chapter, and I think it ties into the first three passages we read that talk about being justified by faith, not by works. And it shows that even in the day when the law was, was, was king, so to speak, and the Jewish law was a big deal, God did not look at the law keepers. He looked at those who had faith. And it goes to show that your works don't matter. It's all about faith. Right. So going on, though, here here's where we get into a little bit of the controversy about this topic. Right. In James, chapter two, he says, but someone will say you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Whoa. All right there, James. You you read the first three passages that I read and it talks all about faith apart from works and faith apart from works. And now all of a sudden you have James talking about how it's faith plus works, and you can't have faith. In fact, he says, faith apart from works is dead. Now, that's pretty strong. So, is, is the Bible incongruent here? Is there a problem here? Is there, is there somehow an inconsistency or a contradiction? Well, the truth of the matter is absolutely not, right? The Bible is consistent through and through. So rather than scratching our heads in confusion and walking away, we really need to dig and find out what is James talking about. And it gets answered if you keep reading the passage. This is really cool, especially how it ties in with Hebrews 11. So starting in verse 18 of chapter 2. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body from, apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Wow. So we see Abraham is brought up with his sacrificing of his son Isaac up on the altar. And we see that Rahab the prostitute was brought up again when she received the messengers. And so here's the big question, is James talking about an ongoing list of works in the Christian life, or is he talking about something else? And from my studies and my reflection on this passage, I believe that James is talking about a one-time work, and that would be receiving the salvation of Jesus Christ. And I think one of the key elements that he said is in verse 19. He says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So what he's doing right now is he's contrasting living works versus dead works. And the dead work, right, is, is, is that the demons believe. So believing is not enough believing is not enough. Let me say that again. Believing is not enough. You can hear the gospel. You can go to church every day. You can read your Bible every day. Believing that God is real, believing in his existence is not enough. It takes an extra step. And that extra step is receiving the gospel, receiving salvation. It's an essential step that has to be taken In order to be considered and called a child of God. And the example of Abraham and the example of Rahab is not talking about a list of good works that they did. It's talking about a one-time thing that they did in faith. Abraham offered up his son Isaac on the altar. Rahab opened the door for the messengers and sent them out another way. It was a step of faith and trust. It was a step of not just saying, Rahab could have heard them knocking. She could have heard them and just gone, nope, I'm not going to help you. She would have acknowledged their existence, but she took that extra step to actually help them and received the messengers. I think that's a key word in James, when she received the messengers. Now, what did Abraham do? He offered his son Isaac on the altar, offered right? So we have the word received and offered, right? When we receive salvation, it becomes super important that we hear the gospel, we understand the gospel, and then we offer ourselves up to God and receive salvation. One of the most amazing passages in the Bible that to me just settles this once and for all is from John 6. Again, James says, faith apart from works is dead. And in John 6, verse 28, the disciples ask Jesus, they say, Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. It's perfect. It's beautiful, right? So simple. Jesus says, my my yoke is easy, my burden is light. This is this changes everything. The work of God is that you believe in him whom He has sent. And what's really cool is that the word works there in John six and the word works there in James two is the Greek word Aragon. Ergon. I, I think it's ergon. I, I can't pronounce it quite properly. Uh, I'm not too great on Greek, but it, it it's the same exact word describing works which is just amazing. Um, So you look at both James chapter two, John six and Hebrews 11 that we read, and you see that what James is talking about, what was true of every single person in Hebrews chapter 11, and what was true of what Jesus said in John six is this. When we hear the gospel, when we understand the gospel, believing the gospel and receiving the gospel is incredibly important you cannot be a christian by just hearing you have to receive it for yourself and accept it as the ultimate truth now here's something i want to clarify at the very end of this i want to start wrapping things up but sometimes i will have people that think what i'm saying is that good works or obedience to to moral living is not a part of a Christian life. I'm just saying, nope, just trust Jesus and then go back and live however you want to live. Well, here's the thing. If you think that, if you even think that's possible, then you're misunderstanding grace. You're misunderstanding grace. Grace is not forgiveness for sins. Grace is not just Christ overlooking our sins and saying your sins are gone no more. Go ahead and live now. No, grace is actually the power that we have over sin. And most people do not look at grace as power. They look at grace as something we we have and now we just can't take advantage of it. Don't you dare start taking advantage of that grace. And that's just such a shallow way to look at grace. Grace is not just forgiveness for sins. Grace is the actual power we have over sin. Romans 6:14. This is the passage I want to end with. Romans 6:14 says, "For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace." And that basically wraps up everything that I'm trying to say in this in this in this message here. Sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. And the implication of that is that if you are under law, sin will have a dominion over you. Paul even says, because of the law, if the law had not told me to covet, I would have not known how to covet. But because of the law, because the law told me not to covet, sin took advantage of that. And I I knew how to covet and I produced all sorts of coveting. So, you see, if we look to the law, if we look to obeying the law as our source, we are going to keep allowing sin to have dominion over us. Paul says that the law was created basically so that sin would increase, not decrease, increase. So, believer, if you're listening to this right now, if you're you're hearing my words and you're just amazed, as as I'm amazed at, at how important and how wonderful faith is, then you will understand that living a moral Christian life does not come from looking to the law. It does not come from looking to moral law. It doesn't come from looking to the Jewish law, all 613 or 614. It doesn't come from that. It comes from resting in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you are looking to the law, if you are looking to morality and trying your best, you are misunderstanding that you have been freed from the law and you have been given grace as your new weapon of defense. And let me tell you, grace is going to equip you way better than looking to the moral law ever would. Listen, there's nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments. They're beautiful, they're wonderful, but they can no longer be the source. The source is Jesus Christ, and we have his spirit dwelling within us. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, The helper I send to you, he will teach you all things and remind you of all that I have taught you. You cannot get any more help than that. That is, that is everything you need right there. So if I were to try to wrap up everything that I'm trying to say, I basically want to end with this. Do not look to works as any sort of indication of a Christian. Do not look to works as any sort of indication of a good Christian. What we must look to is ultimately and only the cross of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and ultimately his resurrection, and understand that through our own death, our own burial, and our own resurrection. We have been resurrected to newness of life, completely overwhelmed by the joining of his spirit with ours, completely overwhelmed by the grace that he has poured upon us to equip us to fight sin, and we have been made new. So this idea that I just got to try better, I got to do better, I got to try to do my best, I got to fight more, I got to fight more, man, I failed. I got to just not do this anymore, not do this anymore. We're missing the point. When we do that, what we are doing is we're looking away from Jesus Christ. We're looking away from what he's provided us. And we're looking towards a law that is just a mere shadow of what is to come. Our faith is receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ, believing in him who who God has sent and trusting. That everything that we have in Christ is enough to equip us to live a moral, upright, holy, righteous life. The flesh is weak, but Jesus Christ isn't, and he dwells in each and every one of us. So we need to rest in that and allow our faith in him and our faith in him alone to be the guiding point of our lives that will allow us to live upright, holy lives. Faith without works is dead because you need works You need to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. And once you do that, you are equipped for every good work. And you don't need to look to the moral law anymore because you have the ultimate fulfillment of the law living right inside of you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope it was encouraging. I have been just eating up this whole idea of faith and it it has ultimately grown my faith understanding that The more and more I focus on my behavior, the less and less I'm having faith that Jesus Christ alone will fix my behavior. And when we focus on it in our own strength, we lose sight of just how blessed we are to have the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ living within us. Um, It's amazing. Just like the end of Hebrews said, all those people, Moses, Noah, Abraham, all of them, we have it better than they do. We've got something better than they did. And to think about their walk with God, their closeness with God, sometimes it's hard to wrap our minds around, but the truth is we actually have it better. And what an incredible, amazing thing that is. And we need to really, really just grind that into our heads, build that into our heads, and actually understand just how amazingly equipped we are through this Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ that dwells within us. Thank you so much for watching, or listening rather, Um, And I hope you all have a wonderful weekend, and I will talk to you all next time.